Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? Yes. I just want to uh, thank the elders and, the, and all the various men and uh, the congregation for all the help that was given uh, to, to get us back here to the great state of Michigan. It's great to be back home, uh, you know, from uh, that, that winter tundra that I left in Tennessee. You know, go figure, right? It's beautiful weather the whole time we're there. Uh, basically, I, I was in shorts grilling steaks on Christmas. And then, like, a week later, there's a snowstorm, and then the, the week we're going to move, there's another snowstorm, and they're getting another one today. And so I want everybody to say hello to Darren. Hello, Darren. Because Darren and Suzanne, uh, they texted me just before worship, said, hey, we're uh, logging on this morning. We're going to worship with you guys because of the snowstorm that's coming to Virginia. I think, I think like, Michigan's going to become, like, the new south, so everybody needs to just start coming on back. <laughs> You know, like Tennessee is getting more snow than we've gotten in Metro Detroit here so far. So, so there's something weird, uh, weird in the waters right now. But no, I want to thank the, everybody for all the help uh, as we've been uh, loading and unloading trucks and moving stuff around. So I definitely appreciate that. If you look on the screen behind me, it says, where's your passion? And that's going to be the crux of today's lesson. That's going to be the crux of the, uh, of the lesson this morning because... As we're entering into 2022 now, we need to enter 2022 with some passion. You know what I mean? And it, it's already starting to pick up steam at the end of 2021, uh, unfortunately, because I've been gone for you know, several months. You know what I mean? I've only been here on the Sundays, so I haven't been able to get, be a part of some of the fellowships that are going on. But it's starting to kind of uh, it's starting to rev back up. Uh, we have uh, several of our families that aren't here with the little ones. They're over at Michigan Christian Youth Camp, so that's going again. So praise God that they're there uh, fellowshipping with one another and, and having a good time and, and learning more about the Lord and, 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 and that connection that we as brothers and sisters of Christ have with one another. And so that's what I want to talk to us about this morning is about passion, having passion for God. And passionate for God in, in a society that doesn't necessarily want us to have passion for God. And we're going to look at that a little bit more later this morning. So really, as we consider passion, I want, to, I want you to really consider your faith, your walk with God over these last couple years. Because isn't it hard to believe that this COVID thing has been around for like two years now? Like this is like the third January of COVID. Who would have thought that we'd be dealing with this two years later, right? And so it's unbelievable. And so I wonder how many of our uh, how many of us have stopped doing things that we used to do and haven't picked up on restarting those things that we used to do? And so that's what I want us to focus on in 2022, because guess what? This thing ain't going away. And so we got to get back to living. We got to get back to serving. We got to get back to worshiping, fellowshipping, and just living our lives. You can take precautions like you guys have heard me say before, but get out there and live your lives and actually enjoy fellowship with one another. When we think about uh, passion this morning, we got to figure out what's stealing our passion, but we also need to figure out what's killing our passion. Because, brethren, we need to make sure that we do these things because all great things in life are usually driven by some form of passion. I mean, the creative forces that are behind arts, music, architecture, writing, and the list could go on and on, usually begins with a passion that those individuals have for those particular things. Nothing great is ever generally accomplished without some type of fervor, some passion behind it. And that's, that's when we think about the Lord. It's the same way. When Jesus uh, was asked, what is the first and great commandment? Do you guys remember what it was? 
Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. All your strength. Does that take a little bit of passion? I mean, if you're going to put all you got into it, that's going to take some energy. That's going to take some passion. And so that's what the Lord asks of us. And nothing great is ever sustained in this life without energy, a positive energy, without that passion that we're going to talk about here this morning. And you're going to hear me say this over and over because I want it to seek in. I want it to, to, to just really uh, just seep into your mind, into your heart, and into your soul. Because without passion, life becomes boring. It becomes monotonous, doesn't it? And so when we think about it, God created us with emotions. He created us with emotions that he created us with in order to share those with others. God didn't design us to be alone. He designed us to be in fellowship with one another. When Adam was naming all the animals, and then, it, and then finally he named all the animals, God realized that there was not suitable for him, so he put him to sleep. Uh, he caused a deep sleep to come upon him. He takes one of his ribs. He creates a woman, and uh, Adam names her Eve. Uh, or Adam named him Eve, and so, or, or named her woman, and so because she would have taken from the side of man. And so Adam and Eve were created to be together in relationship and fellowship, to serve one another as co-equals in the kingdom. Surely different roles, but yet co-equals in the kingdom. And that's what we need to remember as we think about uh, this and we think about God and his creation. Passion mobilizes brethren armies, does it not? I mean, why is it that we feel, in other nations around the country, feel so uh, passionate about the, uh, their nationality, their homeland, and protecting the, the, the freedoms and protecting the things that they love dear and that they hold most dear? And so passion is what causes explorers to kind of go boldly and explore all various things. Passion is what causes scientists to, to work late, late night hours on diseases trying to find cures for mankind. Passion is what takes a good athlete and creates a great athlete. And it's not just athletes. It could be musicians. It could be artists. It could be writers. It could be whatever your vocation is. If you have passion, then you're going to be able to, uh, to improve upon your current abilities as you, as, you struggle or as you strive for better things. And brethren, that's exactly what the Lord is asking of us here this morning. Jesus said, I want you to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that is the one thing that God uh, expects of those who are going to follow him. Did God tell us that, uh, that we are to pick up our cross daily? Well, what does that mean to pick up our cross daily and to follow after him? It means that we are to do all that God has re required of us. But with the spirit, uh, with the, with the spirit of energy and positivity and passion, so that way it's really influential because those who experience your faith, if you have passion and experience your love for God, if you have that first type of love, you're going to be willing to talk about God all the time. You're going to be willing to walk four blocks in the cold if need be because your passion and love for God. You're going to be willing to do whatever it takes. Why do people leave their families, leave their homelands, and go on missionary journeys? They leave everybody they know and love behind. Why? To go to a people they don't even know in a land they don't even know. For what? For the kingdom. Because they have a passion for God and a passion for spreading the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we think about this lesson here this morning, nothing else matters in life if you don't love God passionately. And God does not desire a half-hearted approach to your faith. 
Does God desire a half-hearted approach? Does Jesus say, I want you to love God with half-heartedly with you, all half of your heart, half of your mind, half of your soul, and do, do whatever you want with the other half? That's not what he said. And so, brethren, when we look at this, he wants you to love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He says, I want you to put some energy into it. I want you to put some muscle into it. I want you to put some time and energy into improving your faith, improving your relationship with God, studying out the various things that God has given, uh, the things that we can know. Do we, is the Bible the word of God or is it not? Right? Are, the, are the things that it talks about, are they real events of history or not? Was Jesus a real person of history or not? And so these are things that we could do. Brethren, we need to put some passion into our relationship with God. Do not ever be uh, half-hearted in your love. Do not be half-hearted in your service. Because Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you need to have some enthusiasm. Did Peter have some enthusiasm? Wasn't he known for uh, uh, kind of putting his foot in his mouth sometimes and overstepping his bounds? James and John, weren't they known as the, 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 the thons, uh, sons of thunder? Because they wanted to rain down fire on top of uh, on this village of Samaritans that, that, that didn't want to hear what they had to say. And they said, Lord, cast down fire from heaven and destroy these individuals. And so they earned them nicknamed sons of, uh, sons of thunder, right? And so we look at this, we see that passion that they had. How many of the early saints, how many of the early disciples were martyred for their faith? We were just talking about this this morning. All of the disciples except for one, all the apostles except for one, were martyred for their faith. Um, thousands of other disciples that were uh, uh, murdered at the, uh, at the hands of the Roman and the Roman emperors were martyred for their faith. All they had to do was deny Jesus as Lord and Savior and go about their business. No, but that's not what happened. They were willing to die for their beliefs. That takes some passion. That takes some uh, conviction. And that's what we're talking about here this morning and as we move into this 2022. The Bible says that we are to seek God fervently. We are to love God passionately. And that we are to, uh, to serve God and serve God and to serve the kingdom and serve one another enthusiastically. Not, without, not with grumbling, not with complaining, but to serve one another with a, a positive attitude. If you ever want to do a, a fantastic uh, word study in the Bible, do it on one another. Look up all the various passages or, or, or verses that have one another in it. And you're going to see, brethren, how God exactly wants you to live out your faith. And when we think about living out our faith passionately and enthusiastically, it makes me think of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. Whatever you do, the Apostle Paul told the people of Colossus, whatever you do, do it with all your what? Do it with all your heart. Unto the Lord and not unto men. He's saying, listen, you need to serve the Lord first and foremost. You need to seek first the things of the, the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches us. He says, but when you go to work and you have to take time away from the kingdom and you have to take time away from the Lord, do it with all your hearts. Have some passion. If you're going to take time away from serving me, do what you're going to do with passion and energy and fervor. And if you do that, along the way, shine the light of Christ, and they're going to look at this person and say, man, there is something different about Linda. There's something different about Butchie. And they're going to start to ask questions. Why is it in the midst of these two years of pandemic and mandates and all this suffering that you guys can have this positive attitude and have a smile on your face? You can tell them about your Jesus. You can tell them about the love of God 
the providential care of God, the great many wonderful promises of God. And you can focus on those things instead of focusing on all the negativity and all the pessimism and all the glass half empty individuals that surround us. And so, brethren, we look at this information here this morning. God says, I want you to do everything passionately when it comes to serving me, serving one another, and building up the kingdom of God. But here's the crazy thing. We know that's what the Bible teaches, but currently here in America, that used to be considered a Christian nation, is no longer really considered a Christian nation. And that's actually by some of the polls that you're seeing that are being released uh, here by uh, 21st Century Christian, by Pew Research, and by other organizations that there, I think we're le it's just over like 50% of Americans identify as Christians now. When it used to be, probably 87% of Americans would identify with Christianity in some form or fashion. And now we're barely over 50%. Did you know that like in England, it used to be uh, in the upper 80s, low 90s, many, many centuries ago. And now do you know it's like less than 6%. I wonder if we keep going in the same direction without passion and fervor for the Lord, if we're going to end up a couple generations from now at 6%. You see, brethren, the Lord wants us to serve him and serve his kingdom mightily. Not just our own selfish interests, but serve him and serve the kingdom mightily, with passion. The crazy thing about America right now is it's, it's okay to be uh, passionate about anything and everything except for the Lord. When you think about it, it's not politically correct to be passionate about God anymore. Because if you stand on the moral absolutes of God, that stands in contradiction to the woke society in which we live, and then you're going to receive uh, condemnation. You're going to receive criticism. Because you're standing on the promises of God, you're standing on His moral standard, and that doesn't coincide with what the woke society is trying to teach, and how they want us to live, and how they want us to conform to whatever it is they're trying to push on the rest of us. Brethren, you can be passionate about movies. You can be passionate about sports. You can be passionate about politics. If you know anybody that loves politics, sports, movies, music, arts, they're passionate about those things. Amen? And you'll be celebrated for it. But I can't be passionate about God here in America anymore. You know why? Because it's a no-no. If, if, if you were to type into Amazon.com and you were to look at, I'll just look up the title, A Passion For you'll find literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. Passions about birds, passions about music, passion about uh, chocolate. I kind of understand that one. I'm pretty passionate about chocolate myself. When I was in Tennessee, I gained probably 12 more pounds by being passionate about chocolate. But when you think about passion, literally, there's literally a passion for everything. And so you look at the Word of God here this morning, and we think about all the things that we are passionate about in society. In our current culture, it's okay to be passionate about all those things. You could, you could jump up and down. You could scream and shout. You could cry. You could laugh. You could do whatever. And people are going to celebrate you for it. They're going to say, man, they're a real fan. But if you do those same things in regards to your faith, you're going to be looked down upon. You're going to be called names. You're one of those uh, fanatics. You're one of those Bible thumpers. You're one of those crazy nuts that believe that the Bible is, is what it says it is. You could go to a rock concert, as we got our, our rock star here with us today. You could go to a rock concert, and you could be screaming and yelling and, and dancing and having a great time. And people are going to say, man, that's a real fan right there. 
But if you do that for Jesus, and you get that same excitement for Jesus, you're going to look, be looked down upon in a nation that once used to be a Christian nation. Brethren, we look at the word here this morning. When my team loses, I could cry. When my team wins, I could jump for joy. And you'll be celebrated say, man, Rebecca's a real fan. But you can't do that with faith in this country. Not anymore. Not with our current leadership and not with our current woke society. You see, because they would rather have the doors of churches closed than have the doors of churches open. Why? Because the beliefs that the Bible holds, the teachings that the Bible contains, are vastly different than what's being pushed on American uh, citizenry all throughout this country. And brethren, you can be excited about almost anything except for matters of faith. But notice what the Apostle Paul had to say to the people of Rome. Because in Rome, were they also not being persecuted? Were the Romans not trying to destroy the church? For 249 years, and yet in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, never be lacking in what? Zeal. What is zeal? Passion. It says, never be lacking in passion, zeal, but keep your spiritual passion. Keep your spiritual energy, your fervor for the Lord. It doesn't matter what punishments is going to come upon you. It doesn't matter what condemnation or criticism is going to come upon you. Stay the course. Stay passionate. Have energy for the Lord. Brethren, notice that it's not automatic, though. It's not automatic. It's, it's a choice. It takes discipline. Who here has been following along my, my Wednesday monologues, you know, my Wednesday Bible studies, right? And if you remember my Wednesday night Bible studies, and lately we've been talking about as we get to the end of the divided kingdom, isn't it interesting that when I say it's a choice, if you're going to remain passionate for the Lord, how is it that Hezekiah turns out to be one of the great kings of Judah in the divided kingdom, in the southern kingdom, and yet he, was, he, was, uh, he, uh, he came from the loins of a man who was one of the most evil kings. And so he made a choice to be righteous. And then you had righteous, wonderful kings whose children made a choice to be well, an abomination in the sight of God. You see, brethren, whether or not you're, uh, you're filled with passion and energy and excitement for the Lord is a choice. And you get to make that choice. How you're going to live out your faith. Are you going to be timid or are you going to express it with joy? Express it with excitement and passion. Because that's what the Lord expects of you. Even though many other people will look down upon you. And so you are not by nature passionate about God. It's something that you must choose to do. How many of us have had children, we raise them up in the church, and they fall away from the Lord? We hope and pray that they're going to come back someday. How many of our spouses have, were raised up in the church and they fall away from the Lord? And yet we hope that they'll come back someday. At the end of the day, it's a personal choice. God isn't going to force himself on any of us. He wants us to choose him and to love him. And so, brethren, as we go throughout this uh, lesson here this morning, I want us to remember that many things in life work together to keep our passion going in a positive direction, but there are also many things in this life that are going to work together to steal your passion or possibly even kill it. And I have, we need to understand that when we come up out of the baptistry and we become Christians, don't you have that energy and that fervor? 
You're excited because you realize your sins are washed away. You're a new person in Christ. And you want to tell so many people. I, I, I think of Deb back there. Me and her have had so many conversations. And she was so excited when she came up out of the water. And she's been telling friends and family about it and everything. And she's so excited. That's that first love that, that God is talking about. That's that first love that Jesus was, uh, was beating up on uh, the church at Ephesus in Revelation about. Because they had lost their first love. You remember your first love? I talked about it so many weeks ago. That first person you fell in love with, that even though everybody else could see their faults, everybody else could see what a knucklehead they are, and yet you were just blinded by your love, and you would have done anything for them. Jesus says, I want you to love me with a first type of love. I want you to love God with the first type of love. So brethren, here's a list of passion killers that we need to be, we need to be worried about. An unbalanced schedule. An unbalanced schedule where there's not a work-life balance, work-life-faith balance is a passion killer. An, un an unused talent is a passion killer. An unconfessed sin is a passion killer. An unsupported faith is a passion killer. An unclear purpose is a passion killer. And an unnourished spirit is also a passion killer. And we're just going to examine a couple of these this morning. And I look back at the time and it's like, I haven't preached in a few weeks, so I'm probably a little long-winded, but it's like I only got five minutes left, so you're going to have to sit tight for a few minutes. <laughs> so you just sit tight, because I noticed the last couple guys, they were just rambling, you know, the clock just kept going. And so when we think about things that are passion killers, things that kill our passion, the first one we're going to look at is unconfessed sin. I wonder why sin, unconfessed sin, is a passion killer. It's a big one because it does what? When you have an unconfessed sin that's gnawing away at your spirit, that's gnawing away at your conscience, it starts to affect your mind, it starts to affect your spirit, it starts to affect your attitude, and there are a few things that rob us of our passion quicker than unconfessed sin, that rob you of confidence, that steal your passion, and potentially even kill your passion. But here's how it works. Did you know that you cannot have guilt and passion residing within your heart at the same time? You can't have passion for the Lord and yet guilt for sin against the Lord at the same time. Why is that? You see, because one steals joy and robs you of joy, and the other one's supposed to give you joy. And so uh, unconfessed sin ends up being something that zaps your energy, zaps your spiritual fervor. And we don't walk around thinking about, oh, I am guilty of sin, how many times do we know that we're guilty of sin and we subconsciously start to rationalize the sin? We start to make excuses and rationalize the sin instead of uh, confessing it and getting it off our chest and making restitution for whatever that sin may be. Subconsciously, whenever it gets quiet, doesn't that all of a sudden you're kind of by yourself and you've got that hidden sin, that secret sin, and doesn't it start to pop into your mind? It just comes out of nowhere. It starts to pop into your mind. And what does it do? It starts to drag you down. It's a passion killer. Subconsciously right now as I'm talking about this, I guarantee there's probably some of you in a pew here this morning that are thinking about that very thing right now. Because I happen to bring it up. And it's called self-talk. There's always an endless stream of thoughts that go through our mind. And you get to determine are they going to be negative or are they going to be positive. You get to determine what you do with that constant stream of thoughts. And it's going to affect your life and it's also going to affect your passion. Brethren, here's the truth about us as human beings. We cannot feel enthusiasm and guilt at the same time. We cannot feel enthusiasm and guilt at the same time. 
You can't feel guilt and passion at the same time because the guilt, by its very definition, robs you of your passion. Think about this, what it says in, the, uh, in Psalms chapter 38, verse 4 and 6. It's a paraphrase, but it says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And then it says, I am bowed down and I am brought low. Your guilt causes you to be bowed down and brought low. It's overwhelming and it's too heavy of a burden to bear. You see, brethren, you can't live uh, enthusiastically and guilt-ridden all at the same time. We were made to live not with guilt, but without guilt. God did not make you to carry the guilt around for your life. He made us to deal with it immediately. The Father had put a plan in place before the foundation of the world to take away the sins of man, to take away the, the guilt of man. And we know that he did that through his son Jesus Christ who died on a cross because God created a way to free us from the sin and the baggage that sin actually holds us in. When you look at 1 John in chapter 1 and verse 9 on the screen behind me, uh-oh, we got music. Uh-oh, hold on, there we go. When you look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 behind me, it says if, it's a, the word if is an action behind it, right? It's an action word, if. It says, we confess our sins. God can be trusted to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we could confess it to God. And we could unload that burden unto God. Knowing that if we have been baptized into Christ, that the blood of Christ continuously cleanses us of any and all sin. And we don't have to carry around that burden anymore. Because God says, when I forgive you, it's as if it's never happened. So why do we then continue to beat ourselves up? God has already freed you from the bondage of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And brethren, we look at his great many wonderful promises. If we confess our sins, God will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, that, so I simply ask the question this morning, what are you waiting for? If you're here this morning and you're still in your sins, what are you waiting for? Every week we offer an invitation that you can go down into that watery grave, be buried, and have the new man of Christ, the new woman of Christ, raised up in newness of life. And your sins are gone. God remembers them no more. You're literally a brand new babe in Christ. And then I think about this next thing that kills uh, passion. An unsupported faith. When you think about an unsupported faith, sometimes we lose passion for God because we're not spending time with other people who are passionate about God. Who are the other people who are passionate about God? Christians, you're sitting next to them. How often do you sit next to them in your homes? How often do you sit next to them in restaurants? How often do you sit next to them in whatever fun activity you want to do? Have a bonfire, do whatever you want, but sit next to each other, build relationships, spend time with one another, and you build trust over time. And when you build trust over time, you do what? You start to open up, and you start to confess some of your problems to one another, and you start to ask for help. I guarantee you one thing. If you don't build relationships with your fellow brothers and sisters of Christ, that's how God works his providential care in our lives then how are you going to accept God's care and his blessings if you don't let the people of Christ in? And if you don't let the people of Christ in and build relationships and trust, you're surely not going to talk to them about your problems. And so you sit there and you suffer in silence. And did you know we have a really big problem right now in this country of suicide? Drug overdose? Pandemic didn't help, that's for sure. But it's a fact of life. 
that there are more people taking their lives right now in 2021 and 2022 than have ever before in the military and in society. Why is that? Because they're burdened with such heavy sin and guilt in many cases, and they don't have the proper avenue to unload that. They don't have the proper avenues to go to, to speak with people, to talk with people, to confide in them, and to accept their care and their support as we are supposed to love one another, build each other up, encourage one another. And when you cry, I cry. When you laugh, I laugh. That's the relationship that we're supposed to have. Brothers and sisters, it makes me think of this next passage of Scripture. And it's such a great, wonderful passage of Scripture. It comes from uh, King Solomon. He was the writer of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one. What was I just saying? Right? If you're by your alone, you, you subconsciously, you, you, the, the sin in your life steals your joy. The guilt, and that's, uh, it starts to eat away at your subconscious. But Solomon says two are better than one. Because if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But what does it say? But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. What does he say? Pity the man who doesn't have those relationships. Who doesn't have the relationships that he's built up with other people that he can call upon to help lift him up from the storms of life. You think, brothers and sisters, about these passages. We need each other. Because every single one of us is going to fall at one time or another. Not a literal fall. It could be a physical fall. It could be a spiritual fall. It could be a, a financial fall. There's lots of different types of falls. Pity the man who has nobody to help him up. Because two are greater than one. We all stumble at various times and we'll all need help. We'll all go through various hardships in life, so it's imperative that you build up a Christian support system. But the one thing that I've noticed in my short time in the church, and I've been in the church probably 15 years, and short time compared to some people who've spent their entire lives in the church, some people do a really good job at building up a, a Christian support system. And some of us do a horrible job at building up a Christian support system and don't actually even have a Christian support system. And so I would ask you why. What's holding you back? from inviting people into your home? What's holding you back from building those relationships? Not just with the ones you grew up with in the church, but bringing new people, new sheep into the fold. How often do you bring new sheep into the fold and to encourage them, to love on them, to help them in any way possible? That's what agape love is. It's a sacrificial type of love where you give of your own time, your own energy, your own means for the building up of another. Does somebody else we know do that? Oh, that's right, his name is Jesus. When he gave up the glory and the splendor and the honor that he had before the, uh, before the, uh, before the, uh, the earth was ever made, and he came and he uh, took on flesh, became man, and had to deal with the same problems, the same temptations as each and every one of us. And what did we do to that perfect man? We scourged him and we nailed him to a cross. But you see, we knew that those things were going to happen because it was prophesied. And yet, that is... I think about the relationships that Jesus had built with his apostles and those early disciples. He knew Judas was going to cross him, and yet he loved him anyways. He knew from the beginning who it was that was going to betray him, and he loved him anyways. You see, brethren, we need to have similar mindsets. That's why we are to become like and have the mind of Christ. That's why this next passage of Scripture is so very important. Hebrews 10, 24 and 5. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to what? Love 
good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. That's talking about when we gather for worship. How many people just, they forsake the assembly because, well, they make up lots of different excuses. And this says, as is, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Brethren, we are to encourage one another. And lastly, we think about an unnourished spirit and how that will kill your passion. How does one get an unnourished spirit? What do you think? Lewis, what do you think? How does one get an unnourished spirit? Absence from the assembly and absence from spending time in the word of God. The bread of life. If you don't spend time in the word of God, the bread of life, spending time in the assembly, where we're here together, talking, worshiping, singing, encouraging one another before and after worship, encouraging each other before and after Bible study, going out to lunch with one another, inviting each other into our homes. Brethren, that is how, that is how, that's where the magic happens. But it, you have to make the choice. Remember earlier I said you have to choose? You have to make the choice to make that a part of your faith and a part of your life. That's loving God with that passionate, fervent love. And so, brethren, I'm going to shut this down a little bit early because I know I'm already past my time. But I think about, and I got more, you know. It's been a few weeks. When you don't have a preacher to preach for a few weeks, they get a little pent up, you know. I think Jeremiah in his bones has talked about the fire in his bones, you know. And it's been a minute. You know, I was, I was teaching Bible class this morning, and I wasn't even half done, and Jim's already getting ready to press the button. I'm like, what's, what's going on? You're ringing the bell. You know, I think about this lesson here this morning, and I think about what we could do. It all starts with self-reflection. Self-reflection. Do you understand what I mean by that? Self-improvement, walking in the narrow path, living righteously, strengthening our uh, faith, all require self-reflection. It simply means that you evaluate your faith with God. You evaluate your walk with God. Do you even have a faith and walk with God? Because if you haven't went down into the baptistry, you're still not a part of the church, no matter what you think. You can say as many prayers as you want, but you're still not a part of the kingdom of God until you go down into the baptistry. So if we have people here who have not done that, what are you waiting for? It's a brand new year. Why not get a brand new you? You could get a brand new you. You'll be like a new creation when you come up out of that water. And when you come up out of that water, brethren, your sins are gone. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God himself adds you to the kingdom. And now you're part of the greatest family this world has ever known. A family that will love one another, sacrifice for one another, encourage one another, lift each other up, all in the name of Jesus, to God's glorification. So brethren, we need to spend some time this week in self-reflection. And we need to ask yourself and ask myself, what is stealing my passion, or worse yet, what's killing my passion? And so as we think about this, if you're here today and you need the prayers of the church, you're here today and you have been gone, for a, you've been gone away from the church for a while, but you want to be restored. Or maybe you want to become a child of God. Those are all things that you could do this morning, and you do it by taking the first step, by coming down here to the first pew and speaking with the elders this morning. Let's stand as we sing the song of invitation.